Most models are not the ones of these stories that you hear that we started in a living room with a dozen people. Now we're a thousand, we're 10,000 large, 10,000 strong at multiple campuses. You know, those are the stories that stick out. And unfortunately, I think uh, can uh, undermine visions of what uh, various church models can look like and mm -hmm. even uh, set a standard of what success is in those who are going, who are being sent, being sent and those who are sending and keep them from each of those sides looking at something that's different as mm -hmm. what it means to be successful or what it means to be a church or what it means to draw people together and fellowship, how, it, what it means to sustain, you know, are we going to, there are churches that, you know, they want to make sure doctrine is the thing that is known. Others focus on practices. This is what we are going to do. And, you know, just how, you know, others are just, I'm just going to meet the needs of the people around that are just, that are seem to be helpless, but aren't as helpless as they seem. They just need people to encourage, inspire, and lift them up in various ways. Mm -hmm. Not to discount practices, not to discount doctrine, not to discount any one of those things. But sometimes we overemphasize one to say this is the way it should be and i appreciate the view that all of these different church planters gave me in seeing mm -hmm. there are a lot of ways to be church welcome to discipleship conversations a mission alive podcast with jeremy hoover and stephen carazel Hello, friends. Welcome to Discipleship Conversations. Jeremy and I are here for a wrap-up episode, uh, following up all those uh, conversations we've had with our church funders. Hey, Jeremy, how you doing? I'm doing good, Stephen. Glad to be back for this episode and, and for what was really uh, quite an enjoyable season. Yeah, it was. And I'm reminded, uh, just finishing up listening to the latest episodes, uh, they were yours, the, two, the last two or your conversation, it was kind of fun to to relive that part where you were being interviewed and uh, taken aback by some of the questions that you're so used to asking. Yeah, uh, that was fun. And, and also, you reminded me on a different conversation of, of how quickly things can change. We recorded that back in November, and I had shared on the podcast that I was anticipating 2022 being a a pretty open year. I felt confident to be able to make plans. And then as, as the world knows, in just a matter of weeks after we recorded that, Omicron began rearing its head. And in Ontario now, we're actually under some restrictions currently right now. And uh, 2022 is starting off as difficult as 2021 did for us, but we'll persevere. That's right. Uh, we're recording this mid-January. We'll be dropping it pretty quickly too, but mm -hmm. we're right in the middle of all kinds of struggles and uh, even uh, forecasts, you know, that we think are possible uh, need to be nimble. It reminds me too, just something you said in your interview of, of the idea of pivoting, you know, there's a mm -hmm. popular book on, you know, called pivot. There's, you talk about Tampa underground as a organization that has really picked up that language of being flexible, kind of nimble to, uh, understand where you are, uh, not get too wrapped up in 
where you're being stymied or even what seems like a failure and uh, figure out how to pivot in those situations. So I know even traditional churches need to figure that out. What do we, uh, you know, our, our questions that we're asking even this week are our patterns, our way of doing things so set in concrete that we can't adjust to even for a week or two to a particular situation that's happening. And so uh, I think that's important for all of us. Uh, we want to, in this, uh, in this episode, we just kind of want to wrap up the season. We want to uh, kind of go through, maybe share some thoughts, takeaways that we had from the conversations with the church planners. First of all, we just want to say thank you to all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave up uh, some time for us. Uh, some, it was a little bit easier than others, but we had uh, a really good time talking to them. I feel personally, I feel blessed by hearing their stories, uh, their, their way in to church planning, their experience with church planning, but also their own stories of being disciples, uh, the practices of listening to God in various ways that have moved them into those seasons and through, uh, through living life, being on mission and doing what they feel like they're called to do. I mean, you're one of them, Jeremy, mm-hmm. but just from listening to them, uh, anything that particularly stands out to you from the conversations? Yeah, they were, they were great conversations. I think I, the interesting thing was you and I had a fairly standard set of questions that we asked each church planner or each couple that was church planning. And yet every single interview, every single story that was being told narrative that was being shaped was different. And the things that stuck out for me the most were, and I can touch on these going forward, but the depth of spirituality and spiritual growth among all the church planners. Uh, And I say that, not that I was surprised by that, but I didn't feel like our questions necessarily lent themselves to an exploration of that. And yet it, it came out so strongly in almost every interview that the ways that these men and women relied on their relationship with God to lead them and guide them. And I took a lot of, a lot of, notes, a lot of learning on that, a lot of things from those interviews that I've tried to build into my own experience here in Sarnia. The variety of approaches to church planting also was new to me, I guess. And I don't know why. Mission Alive obviously doesn't have a set pattern that they try to instill in their church planners. And it was interesting to see how each of these these church planning couples and individuals looked at the context that they were in and shaped a a way of church planning that was appropriate within that culture. And then finally, the the other, the the third big takeaway for me was the innovation that some of them have shown in, in outreach mission and discipleship. Uh, And again, that's probably an outgrowth of looking at, the context and saying, how do we shape a church and a church plan within this? But we definitely did not see a one size fits all approach and for the better. I, I, I certainly, and I know you were too, and I hope our listeners were as well. 
but I was enriched by being privileged to share in, in the telling of these different stories. Yeah, I think those are right on with some of the things that stood out to me. And I've got a couple others, but before I, I'd kind of share a little bit more of those, I'd like to just go back to the first one that you mentioned. Uh, and that is the spiritual depth to the leaders um, kind of along that, that, uh, that line of thought I wrote down, this is not for the faint of heart mm. that church planning uh, requires a lot of inner and outer work, uh, particularly in identity. Uh, and yeah. that is, you know, so let's talk about that for a moment of just what we saw, because, you know, I've said this, I think a couple of times, even throughout the season, uh, I remember talking with Todd at the very beginning that uh, sometimes church planning is a, an alternative to is seen as an alternative uh, to traditional church uh, ministering or as seen as a, uh, an escape from traditional church that, you know, if I can't get it, you know, it's a way of relieving frustration in a traditional church. And so I'm going to do it on my own. You know, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to, you know, th these guys don't have it together. I'm going to go get it together because I've got the right idea. And oftentimes uh, church planting is motivated by those kinds of things. And yeah, that's the, that's the wrong, that's the wrong thing. Uh, it, you know what, Stephen, it is. And I, I let me jump in here just to share that I've talked um, in the last, four weeks, I think, with two guys that are doing that very thing. They became fed up with their current church and they're seeking to, to church plant what they think of is church planting as a way of basically trying to do it their way, you know, do it, do it right. And one guy uh, there and the, the one guy that's doing it is, is just establishing a kind of a splinter group and starting a worship service. The other guy thinks he's going to be jumping into a, what he thinks is going to be a church plant. And uh, it's really not. It's an existing church that, that at, at least thinks they want to explore some, some different ways of being. And I don't mean to sound negative about that, but you said it yourself. It's, it's the wrong motive. I shared in my story and I, I feel even more strongly about it today as we're talking. I have never had to rely on my relationship with God more than I have in the last two and a half years of church planning. And frankly, it becomes more and more important day by day, especially as I continue to hit roadblock after roadblock and, and restriction after restriction. And it's not, I, and when I say that, I, I'm afraid maybe I was a little too harsh in my story when I shared about this, but it's not that churches don't want you to have a thriving relationship with God. It's just that in some cases, it, you don't have to rely on God to do the work that's asked of you. You're, you're able to have enough resources and intelligence and personal strength to be able to, to do most of what's required in ministry. And a thriving relationship with God is the goal, and that's what we all want. But in some cases, you can take it or leave it. In my situation here, and I think we saw this, 
with virtually every one of the church planners we talked to, a, a unanimous opinion that we could not have done what we're doing without having to, to drink from that well on a near daily basis. I, I'm reminded by uh, the conversation with Charles Kaiser and his uh, comment that he received from a mentor that said that something to the extent that he needed to separate his identity from the church plant itself mm. is that yeah. this idea, there's this depth that has to exist beyond the, the task at hand that somewhere resting in uh, who we are as, as, as Christians, as people in Christ, uh, that our relationship is, is with God. Our trust is fully in God. And that, that's, that's spiritual depth. That is a deep, deep well, because, you know, I just, this week in uh, my discipleship cohort, we're reading the, um, the passage, the, the last passage of the Sermon on the Mount, mm. and where, you know, if you put the words of Jesus into practice, you're like the wise man, or if you don't, you're like the foolish man. But, you know, the thing is common about each of them is that the storms come. These hard times come. And, and uh, where our relationship is, where our spiritual depth is, is, you know, that's, that's the foundation that will either hold us or send us flying in the storms. Um, cause those are going to happen regardless. And so mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. about that, uh, and connecting with the right, uh, church planting organization. You can't just launch it on your own. You need the right organization around you. And that's, that could be about mission alive. Yes. But there are a lot of, of, of church planting organizations that take that very seriously, that the formation of the church planter, the spiritual depth of the church planter is mm -hmm. super important. Uh, it's critical to the future of that uh, because it's not just, Hey, I got a great idea. Let's go after it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and many we, of the church planters, if not all of them spoke about the assessment that, that, that we all went through. And yeah. as you know, being on a, on a traditional staff, and again, I don't mean this, and it's just an observation, but churches, when they're hiring staff, don't run them through an assessment. And there's an interview process, but the assessment is really critical. And, and you know, Mission Alive, at the end of their assessment, will grade people on their readiness for jumping into church planting. They're not afraid to tell people look, we just don't think you're ready at this time at all. It's, it's not, you know, it's not something that we run through just as an obstacle to move on, but it's so critical to highlight some of the challenges and issues that church planners will face. And then to, for Mission Alive to say, look, these are some areas that we think are going to be a hindrance to you if you don't work on them. These are some things that you need to work on in order to thrive in a church planning scenario. And that assessment, from my own experience, has been critical in helping me think about some of the blind spots that I would have brought in, some of the areas, uh, even, in, even in my marriage, that I may have overlooked and, uh, and done some harm in if I hadn't had some awareness drawn to those through that assessment period. 
And so I think uh, along with what you're saying about aligning with a church planning organization, uh, they know what they're doing and they're, they're running you through a process to help you to make sure that you're not jumping into it for the wrong reasons. And that if you do go into church planting, you'll be equipped to give it a, a good and full run. Yeah. We don't like to be, uh, told our, we don't like to be told about our deficiencies. And that's certainly, that's not what you generally bring into an interview in traditional setting. Uh, and that's why, you know, uh, you know, a lot of churches just don't do that. They're looking for someone's strength. They're not really thinking about someone's weakness and they would count that as a reason not to hire, not as a, not as a view of how this person needs to grow. Mm-hmm. And can we be mm-hmm. open to it? And I think, you know, that's perhaps, perhaps that's something that uh, traditional churches should think about in their interviewing process is some kind of assessment, uh, formal assessment. I know of at least one that did that in one process, but also just ongoing assessments as a team building exercise uh, is to, to continue to do that, to maintain a healthy uh, staff all the way around, regardless of, you know, where that team is located and what ministry they're part of. Uh, I think ongoing assessments is really important, too. Uh, as well. That's a spiritual depth. Uh, there's a lot of talk about soul care, and I think that's really important uh, in, in ministry. Um, but I, I try to also want to incorporate uh, spiritual depth along with that soul care. Is mm-hmm. that uh, that's something that there's something there's something deep to care about in there? Um, so that's uh, that's one of the things that we both notice is this this depth. Another thing you mentioned was the, the variety of models. Uh, I wrote down this, this, there's not one, there's not just one model for this, that there are a lots of different ways of gathering people together to be a church. Uh, you know, perhaps we could talk about some of those models uh, we saw, or we heard better, more, more appropriate. We heard from the stories, although we were looking at people. Right. As we were interviewing, uh, traditional type of church models that were ending up with a building, children's ministries, youth ministries, uh, you know, going for elders and just like that. That was kind of like that was their what they were going after. We saw that done, uh, though done a little differently. Uh, we saw uh, kind of inner city, inner city work. Uh, we saw in a very specific neighborhood on a street uh, church that was, you know, even less defined as we think about church. I think about uh, Micah and Kyle talking about uh, people on their block or their church. They just don't know that they're in the church. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and so, and then I think about uh, the Birchfields Mm -hmm. running a, a nonprofit as a way of forming relationships and developing conversations uh, into what he's calling faith circles. Uh, so that that's a, uh, that's a lot of different, uh, I may have missed one. I don't know if I missed one or not. I mean, uh, where would you say your model kind of fits in with that? I would say, you know, to be very honest, my model is still evolving. And the longer, the longer I've thought about it and sought to discern what's happening in my ministry target area, 
I'm drawing inspiration from the stories that Blake and Kevin Vance shared about uh, what does what does church look like? What does missional practice and discipleship look like among people who are kind of segmented out of society and resistant to traditional forms of church? I see. So I, I see my model becoming uh, in 2022 here. I'm going to be focusing a lot more on on uh, outreach in the community that's that's organized around uh, helping people get access to the things that they need, uh, whether that's food, whether it's clothing, whether it's blankets, uh, whether it's maybe help with finding a job whatever that might be. And that's going to be how I target outreach. And I don't know what's going to come out of that. My goal for 2022 is to continue trying to strengthen the small group that we have gathering, but to also expand our relational network of people that we know and people that we can help. I think as you were talking there, the thing that jumped out to me when, when you went through the list of different uh, different types of church plants that we had is that uh, again th these were contextually decided. Um, you know, West Gun in Alabama is has probably the the most traditional type of church plant that Mission Alive has, and yet it's a it's a model that makes total sense where he's at and with what he's trying to do. Uh, and there's so there's nothing. So we're not saying that the traditional way of church doesn't work. It's working really well for Wes. I, I think it's working really well for Ben Stevens. It's working really well for, for different of these folks. And yet we see someone like Charles Kaiser, who is in the Bible belt, so to speak. And yet he's trying an innovative uh, way of meeting folks who have been traumatized by the church. And so he's targeting a, a particular demographic and trying to reach out to those specifics rather than trying to have a, a large umbrella type church that is welcoming uh, to everybody. Not that he's not welcoming everybody, but he's specifically aiming at a subset of people who have become disenfranchised from the church. And so I, I think, again, I think for me that the, that most important part behind the forms of the church plans are the way that the church planters went into their community and said, how can we bring about an expression of church that's faithful to the gospel and to the kingdom of God, but will reach the people who need to be reached in ways that they can be reached. So contextual, which is the word that was coming into my mind as you were talking, this contextual, uh, where things are happening, but I also see it in the gifts of the, of the planters themselves, where they're coming from. It's taking them in mind. Um, you know, it's, it's where Kevin and Lisa landed, but it's also their heart is what brought them there. So they bring particular skills, gifts, passions into a, a specific area. I think about uh, the Millers um, and, how Andy and Rosalind are doing things. She works on a college campus and he has 
campus ministry at his heart. And that's kind of where they're, you know, where a lot of ministry happens and drawing that into uh, a neighborhood, but uh, drawing on people, what, what, who they are and what they bring to the context and what that context uh, uh, is, is needing. And so this, it's, it's all these different uh, unique things and not just going after a, uh, a cookie cutter uh, mm-hmm. model. I think about the other thing I wrote down here was, as I was thinking about, there are lots of models and I say, most models are not the ones of these stories that you hear we started in a living room with a dozen people. Now we're a thousand, we're 10,000 large, 10,000 strong in multiple campuses. You know, those are the stories that stick out. And unfortunately, I think uh, can uh, undermine visions of what uh, various church models can look like and mm-hmm. even uh, set a standard of what success is in those who are going, who are being sent, being sent and those who are sending and keep them from each of those sides looking at something that's different as mm-hmm. what it means to be successful or what it means to be a church or what it means to draw people together in fellowship, how, it, what it means to sustain, you know, are we going to, there are churches that, you know, they want to make sure doctrine is the thing that is known. Others focus on practices. This is what we are going to do. And, you know, just how, yeah, others are just, I just want to meet the needs of the people around that are just, that are seem to be helpless, but aren't as helpless as they seem. They just need people to encourage, inspire, and lift them up in various ways, mm-hmm. not to discount practices, not to discount doctrine, not to discount any one of those things. But sometimes we overemphasize one to say, this is the way it should be. And I, I appreciate the view that all of these different church planters gave me and seeing mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of ways to be church. And I particularly go back to uh, Kyle and Micah saying, you know, they're, they're, they're not supported by anybody, any kind of, uh, any kind of funding. And so they like, Hey, we're not going to fail. There's, there's no threat of losing funding. And yeah. so they just do what they want to do. And so they're committed to that. I love that. I wanted to talk about them too briefly, Stephen. One of the more meaningful things that they said was we've had several churches in our network, but never more than one at a time. Yeah. And I, I think what we saw, I don't think they identified it this way, but I think what we saw in their story was some trial and error until they stumbled onto this idea of living together on the same street and blessing that street and, and saying, this is our church, whether they know it or not. And I love the story they told about in COVID, a family on the street had a, had a newborn and they just went door to door to collect some money and bought some gift cards and took it and said, we, we just want to bless you guys. The street's trying to bless you guys. And uh, like you said, they're both supported. They're fully supported by working jobs outside of the church. I remember, I think it was Kyle said when they're preparing for church, they tell each other, if you spent more than 15 minutes preparing, you probably spent too long. And I know they were joking when they said that, but the idea was to prioritize their incarnational presence in the lives of their neighbors on the street more than simply gathering just to gather. And Kyle's out there using using video game streaming on Twitch as a ministry resource and 
Micah's playing chess online with people as a as a way of connecting with people. And I left that one thinking, if these guys are working full-time jobs and they're not drawing a single cent from uh, from whoever as church planners, they're doing work that every single Christian can do. And I think their interview was so important to me for casting a missional vision for what could be when churches get inspired, when, when individual Christians get inspired to live out the gospel in their neighborhoods. What, yes, whether it is the model they're following or in partnership with a traditional church, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, I guess, surprised uh, some years ago when I was reading a little bit more about Shane Claiborne and his uh, monastic uh, group that embedded themselves in a, in a poor neighborhood of Philadelphia and, and hearing him talk about, or reading him talk about how the different members of that community went to different churches. And I just yeah. kind of thought that they were doing a church all their own, but they were actually just in a missional presence within this neighborhood, but they were a part of all different churches. And, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's not like I've got to do it just like this. There were lots of ways to do that. I think so creativity and listening to the spirit of God of what, what that spirit, what God's giving us in our lives, the, the, our experiences, bringing, um, bringing that to bear where we are and partnering with whoever I think is really important. Mm-hmm. So the last thing you mentioned was innovation. Uh, and I saw that too, that there was a lot of, I call it replanning. I mean, there was, mm. uh, you just you can't be married to too many methods. You got to be anchored in these values that you want to do. And I have this conversation even in our traditional church because we do get married to our methods. We have what's called sacred cows, and I'm sure you you know every group gets those. But you got to be married to your the values and yeah. what's driving rather than where you want to go rather than how you're getting there. Because uh, how do we how we get there is going to have to change. And so the innovation is really important too. Uh, and your, your story is a great story because most of your church planning time has been in COVID and that has been, <laughs> you know, from wide open to yep. lockdown to open a little bit and to be surprised, you know, just back and forth, there's constant uh, innovation in that. And I think that's really important. A lot of times we get, I know just in my own personality, I, get, I like to get locked in on a way of doing things that I don't like to, uh, I don't like the unrest, uh, but, you know, I think that's all what these, these teams have dealt with figuring out ways to innovate. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So I, just a couple of things I added to that. God gathers and grows the church, you know, all of our efforts are, we're just participating, but God's the one that does the growing. Uh, I think it was Micah Lewis who said, you know, I can't, I can't make a church. God does that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. Uh, so this is a call of being faithful to that. Uh, and, you know, making disciples and loving people. Uh, those are, you know, kind of primary foundational things. And there's so many different ways that grow out of that. So those are things that stuck out to me. Um, so that kind of given this overview, I hope people will catch all of those. Uh, you can catch those podcasts on our, on either anchor where we're hosted or on your favorite podcast uh, listening 
uh, app you can find all that season. We just encourage people to share that. Uh, Jeremy, what do you, where do you see us going next? What do you, uh, where do you think we are and what do you hope that we're going to do next? Yeah, well, I certainly this season exceeded any expectations I had for it. I didn't know what to make of an interview based season. And uh, like you, I, I just I thank all the church planners. They took at least two hours out of their out of their day and in some cases uh, planned with us when it was somewhat inconvenient for them. And so I thank them all for doing that. I think one of the things that you and I have teased out over this season, something that we've been talking about off and on for the whole podcast, is the way that discipleship has to lead in some way to mission. That discipleship is not just about Stephen or Jeremy or whoever sitting in a room by themselves, reading their Bible, getting a heavenly glow on their face and learning how to pray more deeply. Those are formative aspects, but those formative aspects are in the service of partnering with God on mission. And you and I had a call that we didn't record. Maybe we should have as a, as a supplemental thing. Uh, but we were, we were kind of joking about how, what is formation and mission. And we talked about the word formational as, as maybe being a hybrid word. And then you actually found a couple of churches that use that word in their in their programs but i think that we need to give some attention and i'm not totally sure how we're going to do this yet but we need to give some attention to what is for mission and what does it mean for christians to be for missional and so i'm excited to explore that with you and i'd love to hear your perspective on on where we're going yeah i think uh this being and doing uh, loving God, loving others. I mean, you can look at it that way. Uh, you know, it's, you can't just lean only on one, each one draws from the other and it's really important. Uh, and so I'm really drawn by the idea of, of, of formation and mission together, uh, mission, as we talked about it, all these church planters, their spiritual depth, the work comes from a, a depth in ourselves that is really important and so uh, and then but it's not it has to land in in kind of in kind of work uh in the things that we do the tasks the the, Mm -hmm. the things that we're called to do the purpose of our lives whether it's in some kind of official ministry capacity as someone might identify both of our lives or in in uh in in other kinds of vocations uh in which someone is uh, working a traditional kind of job, uh, much like uh, Micah and Kyle, uh, where they are, but you know, just or just as a part of another community, how do how do people do that? How do people live on mission? I I think you know this kind of thinks about makes me think about the the people that I, I hope are listening. You know, uh, I imagine that most of our audience is is probably church people, uh, people who are interested in growing beyond. The traditional structure. They're interested in knowing how churches are uh, are are innovating, what's being planted outside of traditional uh, ways of doing church. Uh, people who are interested in sparking something new in their own lives. Um, I know that the discipleship cohorts, uh, 
I approached them at a time when, or I found them at a time when I was thinking about what's the last part of my career going to look like. And it's kind of sparked something new in me and in my church. Um, and so I think people that are listening to us are interested in their own uh, growth and what God's calling them to do, as well as want to spark something new in their, in their churches, uh, wherever they are. And so I hope that we can explore this idea of mission in a way that grows out of formation and maybe even reminds us that draws us back into formation. Uh, you know, I think it's a back and forth. It's not just the, it's not just a river that kind of flows from formation and mission, but mission also brings us back to formation. Uh, it's, it's really important. So, you know, I, I think, you know, I want to explore what are some of the questions of discipleship uh, that, uh, that we have and really invite our listeners to, um, to ask us questions. We'd really love to know what other people are, are thinking about and are wondering about. And so, um, and so we, I think that's going to be, you know, really important. Um, I really enjoyed uh, talking to other people. Uh, I enjoyed the times where we, the seasons where we just, it was just us uh, conversing, but I enjoyed talking to other people. So I hope that we will, uh, not just find the conversation between us, but also find the conversation with other people to join us in that, whether uh, we add someone to our team as, uh, as hosts or uh, just continue to interview. Uh, I think we, I like the learning journey as well uh, mm -hmm. from other people rather than just, you know, listen to each, to one another. So that's one thought. I'd also like to just call upon our listeners to either if you're in this position or you know someone in this position to volunteer with us to be part of our production team uh you and i you know uh this is something that a little passion that we have uh to to do a podcast to talk about discipleship uh to be part of you know to extend a friendship um and it doesn't matter where you are uh, uh with the digital world we live in uh you can be part of our team, help us with editing and putting together the final form of our podcast. We'd love to grow in that. Um, and, uh, you know, just a reminder to our people that you and I, Jeremy, have never been in the same room at the same time. And it still amazes people when I, when I tell them that, uh, that we had this friendship and this partnership in this ministry. And yet, you know, we've never really looked up on each other without a screen. <laughs> So, yeah. So if you are, if you are interested, if you know somebody who has the skills of podcast editing or some kind of uh, uh, sound engineering kind of skills and would like to volunteer their time to, uh, to join us in this as a part of uh, giving time away to Mission Alive, um, as, there, as this being their podcast, it'd be really good. Uh, I'd like to hear from you on that. What else you got, Jeremy? Yeah, I'd like to wrap this thing up. Yeah, I just want to thank everyone that's listened, whether whether you've listened to just one episode or you've been following us the whole time. We're just thankful for each one. And we're really excited about the podcast. Like Steven said, it's kind of a, a labor of love for us, both of us with an interest in discipleship and helping churches reorient themselves around discipleship. So 
uh, we we would just ask you kind of brazenly here to help us get the message out and share this podcast. Uh, you can do it in a number of ways. If you rate the podcast in the app that you use to listen to it, that will help us. If you could share it specifically with some other colleagues or friends or, or church members that you think might benefit from it, that would be great. And if you could share it on your social media feeds as well, that would really help us to get the message out. And so we'll just put that little plea in here at the very end. And that's my wrap up. I just, uh, I'm glad Stephen is, this probably was our longest season when we look at, at what, what we've done. And I think you and I were personally rewarded by going through these interviews. And I know that anybody who listened to these stories being shared will have benefited from them as well. Very good. Thanks for that. I guess with that, we'll wrap up uh, this season of uh, our interviews. And it's been really good. So thanks for being a part of this journey with us. And watch your podcast feed for us to show up again for our next season. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this Discipleship Conversation. We invite you to share this episode and tune in next time for another conversation. We also invite you to subscribe and rate the podcast through your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments and questions to media at missionalive.org. Check out the episode show notes and learn more about the podcast and other Mission Alive media resources at missionalive.org media. Intro and outro music is by audionautics.com. Mission Alive works to bring about the holistic transformation of marginalized communities through starting and renewing innovative churches that address the most challenging issues faced by their neighbors. Learn more about what we do and how to connect at missionalive.org.